0: This is episode 33 of the Day of Best Men podcast. I read a couple articles today that brought some things together in my head. Abigail Disney, who's the daughter of, or some how related to Walt Disney, said that in regards to the OK Boomer meme, that maybe we should let the kids drive a while because the Boomers have screwed it up. And... So that concept, let's put that aside. And then I was reading an article about the Groiper movement, which is what I gather is the renamed version of the alt-right from what I've read. I saw them pushing anti-Semitic conspiracy theories at Charlie Kirk and Dan Crenshaw, who are both generally mainstream conservative voices and i thought and i started reading an article about the groiper movement and it's headed by a 22 year old guy whose last name is fuentes interesting because it's it's like this native nativist, nativist movement and a guy named fuentes would you'd think wouldn't be heading a nativist movement but he is and asked a lot about Charlie Kirk who I generally find distasteful not not that there's anything wrong with his politics but it's how he does it it is he does a lot of blaming and he does his own conspiracy theories and he is particularly vitriolic and he so Fuentes is 22 Charlie Kirk is 22 or 23 and we see a lot of the leaders of the progressive movement, particularly on college campuses, also of course in their early 20s. And that's important because a lot of what we see in progressive society comes from college campuses because, and Jordan Peterson's right about this, these kids Get an environment in which they're raised in, and then they take it to college, and then it becomes the collegiate norm. And then the college builds a society around it the fragileness of their egos and personalities. And then once they get out into the real world, they expect that kind of protection and make the world seem harsh if it is not protecting them in the same way that they're accustomed to. So my point there is we've got a lot of people in their 20s, early 20s, defining policy, or rather making movements around which policy is formed and opinions are formed. And I find that frightening. I find it so frightening. So I've read this many different places that the neocortex doesn't get fully developed until age 25. And so taking into the account that these people aren't fully developed yet and that with age comes wisdom, not always, but a lot. I mean, it. there are certainly people who are 25 and who are more mature than people who are 50. Sure, I'm sure that's true. It is absolutely outside the norm. And it's no way that we can organize society around saying that age has no it doesn't correspond to maturity. Of course it does. And I can buy that in the okay boomer movement, that's what that's really about is saying the baby boomers' priorities and worldview are antiquated. And that's particularly about the economy, and the environment. And you know what? That's correct. I do agree with that. But that doesn't mean that idealistic children who have not had enough life experience and do not have fully formed brains yet get to run things. It just isn't a recipe for good governance, for good policy, for good cultural movements. So my larger point is that we are, I've heard Eric Weinstein make this point. The people who are the loudest are the most confrontational and generally the most extreme. And they are also the enemy of your enemy, right? So if you're on the far left, or if you're on the left, and the people who are the loudest and giving the most pushback to the right are the far left, well, they're automatically sort of your friends, right? Because you're not going to befriend the people on the right. So you befriend the people on the far left and sort of throw yourself in their camp. And that's what's happening on the right as well, that... Like, being moderate and having nuanced opinions and engaging with people and compromising, like, these are mature things to do. And it's not loud. It's not flashy. It doesn't make newspapers. It doesn't make headlines. It doesn't make all the various tweets that are, so apparently crucial in identifying who has the most clout. That's probably the point, is that clout comes with hyperbolic partisan vitriol. And the people most willing to do that, and maybe even the people who are most able to do that, are the youth with their tech savviness. And inability to Perspective comes with maturity. Their inability to see down the line. Their inability to... And also, let's throw this in. We've got all these echo chambers, people who don't have to talk to anybody they disagree with. And that's even more true with the youth because they live in these bubbles. Right, A College is a bubble. And having to work alongside people who you disagree with or meet them or... If you can live in a world where most of your communications are online and you can a treat other people like two-dimensional cardboard objects who disagree with you but b only engage with the people you agree with because that's just something that social media allows on twitter you only have to follow the people you want i heard this which i thought was funny one of the reasons the liberal media was so sure that Hillary would win in 2016 was that, or rather, how they became so um, insulated was that left-leaning reporters only followed each other, whereas right-leaning reporters followed everybody. And so they built their own echo chamber and were unwilling, unable, or just didn't hear things that contradicted them, contradicted their ideas, and that might be part of the reason nobody saw it coming. Not that it wasn't razor thin. I've told this story multiple times. I remember standing in line to vote on um, November 8th, 2016. And I was reading an article that said, will Hillary Clinton win by a landslide or just win? Those were the only two options that the article covered. And I don't remember what it said. I mean, it pointed to a relatively large victory, but not necessarily a landslide, is my recollection. But to the extent that people are siloed, and we're increasingly siloed, and that's part of what technology does. technology does all of these things. it it exacerbates so many existing problems that I don't it, that we, we just have to live with it. I don't know the way around it. I don't know if we'll find one that it's impossible because it's really people that are the problem. People need to become deeper. People need to look for nuance. People need to escape their idea silos. People need to be more empathetic on both sides. And there's no scenario where that's going to happen. We're, we're getting farther from that. People are becoming more shallow. People... There's... I've... If we look at how media is distributed, right? For a long time, it was the written word, books. And that allows for a ton of nuance. We get to explore an opinion, and it's explained in detail. And then radio came along. Generally, still a lot of detail. I mean, I'm comparing it to social media, eventually. But less than a book. Less than a well-written article. Because things had to fit in... Well, the extent to which we shorten the medium. All right, a book is several hundred pages, an article is, who knows, 10 to 100 paragraphs, and then radio is, a segment is, who knows, five minutes, half an hour. It's a great thing about podcasts is that they're sometimes several hours long. It's a, that's why that's such a great medium. But then we went from radio to television and segments were even shorter. And this also came about as we commercialized the news. For a long time, the news wasn't a profit-making center. It was just a, it was a loss leader. And it was more about getting the news out than it was about being profitable. And once we started adding profit to the news, then it became about eyeballs, and once it became about eyeballs, it became about what will get the most eyeballs. And what they found was hyper-partisan vitriol does that. And that's why Fox News is Fox News, MSNBC is MSNBC, and CNN is going that way. And that's where most people get their news. And, or rather at least from television. And then now we add in Facebook and Twitter and less knowledge conveyed in a media transaction. So before this, I just watched a video from some conservative dude who was saying some bad stuff about maxine waters and the video video is two minutes and 20 seconds long and full of missed facts um but the larger point is that's a long one i've seen that particular guy write some really awful things in 140 characters it is so easy to misrepresent add no nuance and be so Mm. present such a narrow-minded perspective and consider that a full idea, a full media piece that is given to others. And in the course of, I read this, that people read just as much as they used to, as shocking as that is. It just happens to be a lot of Twitter and Facebook meaning in terms of like words that people read per day, whether it be the books or the newspaper. I find that shocking and I find that hard to believe, but I read it somewhere. That doesn't make it true, it just means I read it, but it is representative of the fact that we can get all these unnuanced opinions and feel like we're getting something when it's just not deep. And that shallowness is killing us, that shallowness Allows loud people with unnuanced opinions to seem like they're valuable, to seem like they hold a legitimacy that we should listen to. And that's why Charlie Kirk and I think it's Adam Fuentes, I should probably have that right before I say it in the podcast, but I'm, nobody will hear this and the kids on college campuses. They feel so justified because they live in a world where justification is optional, because nuance is optional. Telling the full story is optional. Thinking things through is optional. And that can go into their own opinions too. A third wave feminist doesn't have to think about the things that they disagree with an alright guy doesn't have to think about the opinions he disagrees with, they don't. Moderating your ideas is what mature people do. And so like it's this perfect storm of people with vitriol, people with lack of nuanced opinions, people who are young, people who are immature, and people who don't think they need to seek other opinions. Like, we put all that in a bowl, and what we get is children leading movements who shouldn't be leading movements. And it's frightening. This isn't to say that we don't have other leaders who are frightening. I'm frightened every day Donald Trump sends a tweet or sits in the Oval Office. But that doesn't mean, that, that that fact can exist in and of itself, and that doesn't mean that there isn't, it isn't more likely that somebody under 25 is a bad leader of a movement. So take Greta Thunberg. She's, I think she's generally great. Um, like it, she's she's a she's part of a movement. She shouldn't be making policy. She shouldn't she can express her perspective, but she shouldn't be the head of Greenpeace or whatever we want to say. She's a child. Let adults do adult things, and adults can be idiots too. Like we we see them all over. But an adult is less likely. To be an unnuanced, immature child than a child. And that's the end of podcast 33, the Dave Espin podcast.